spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Doctor Who, The Spear of Destiny, Part 2. When the almighty groaning, the central column of the TARDIS came to rest, they had landed. Of course the Vikings were much understood. Is that right, Astra? Oh, you must have done some history at school. Doctor, we did the Romans every year. Ask me about the Pentagon Wars, and I'm your girl. Some other time, maybe, said the Doctor. The point is that people often see the Vikings as violent marauders. Nothing else. Well, the truth of the matter is that they, by and large, they were farmers, fishermen. By and large, they were great explorers too. They discovered North America 500 years before Columbus thought he had. They got as far as Mediterranean, Russia. You have to remember that most accounts of the Vikings have written vague Christians who misplaced them. So what biased accounts? You know this for fact. The doctor gave Joe a hurt look. What do I know for a fact is they the only humans ever to name a day of the week after bath time. Washing once a week was pretty advanced stuff 2,000 years ago. Joe laughed. Well, said the doctor, shall we look around? Joe nodded. Let's. The doctor brought up at the outside view in the TARDIS scanner screen. They treated to the sight of a peaceful forest with snow deep on the ground and thick on the branches of the trees. Although it appeared to be a bright and sunny day otherwise. Seems quiet enough, said the doctor. He shut down the screen, opened the door, and they headed out. Cold, said Joe. Well, you're cold enough. Oh, said the doctor, I could have always fetched my Inverness cape for you. I'll be fine, said Joe hurriedly. He shot a quick smile at the doctor, as the knot hurt his feelings. Then might their feet crunch noisily into the snow, which is frozen hard. Which way shall we which way do we go? said Joe asked Joe. I'm not sure, said the doctor. Let's look around. It can't be far. It should be a large temple complex and a certain village serving it. Joe stopped and looked back over his shoulder. Would the Todd's be all right? She's tougher than I am, said the doctor seriously. Anyway, I have a theory, yes. Yes, you see the whole nature Shape and even the modern pig, pigment of TARDIS so deeply unfamiliar to the primitive mind. Although the optic nerve registers a presence, the brain cannot decode what it's seeing. Primitive visual cortex is unable to relay information back cons- consciously to the viewer. In fact, even though her communion circuit is still damaged, she's as good as a visible, and she's just fine. That's remarkable, said Joe. She is remarkable, old girl, in many ways, said the doctor. Let's move, shall we? We'll be warmer if we walk a little faster. 
They made their way deeper into the forest. As long as there wasn't any another snowfall, it would be easy to find their way back to the TARDIS from trail to footprints in the snow. The woodland was a sloping land. They headed gently downhill for a mixture of birch and ashton coffers until finally they saw the trees thinning out a little in front of them. I hear a river somewhere, said Joe. Yes, said the doctor, nodding that way. Very soon they glimpsed clear green water flowing rapidly, a wide and strong river. These banks were covered with snow. The banks were covered with snow and ice. This way, said the doctor. How do you know? Because rivers mean settlements sooner or later. Sooner, I hope, I'm freezing. I should. You can still go back from my cape. Look, doctor. What's that? Joe pointed downstream to the opposite bank, where there was a huge wooden construction. As they moved closer, they saw what it was, a vast water wheel fed by a channel from the river. They saw that beyond it was another one, exactly the same. Beyond that and more, six of them in total, all drawing water from the channel underneath the heavy wooden wheels. They turned slowly, but with a power. There was some how threatening, fascinating. Is there a way across? Let's head downstream. Maybe there's a bridge. I will want to cross that river. Even on a summer's day, the river was deep, moved in carrying currents, ice crusted in blankets, and even looking as it seemed to sap the warmth of Joe's blood, she shivered. Or as they approached the first of water wheels, a bridge came to view beyond it. Before they could get any further, they heard shouts across the water and quickly threw themselves in the snow behind some tree stumps on the riverbank. The doctor lifted his head. It's all right. They haven't seen us. Who? Joe couldn't hide a worry in a voice. There are a group of them, men on the other side, beyond the wheels. The doctor took another look. It's safe, Joe. Have a look. Joe peered across the water. What's going on? I don't know, said the doctor. I think there are two groups. They don't seem to like each other. Joe saw what he meant. These are definitely two groups of warriors facing off the clearing between the water wheels of the forest. They wore leather and furs, boots up to the knee, strapped around the clove lining, thick ferried turnics and fur-lined caps, shouting at each other, waving metal swords and axes. Not actually fighting, but clearly no love was lost between them. They appeared to be one of the... On the verge of a scuffle, at the very least, a man in the left-hand group weighed an enormous hammer above his head, roaring like thunder as he did so. Posturing, that's all, said the doctor, although he hesitated. Maybe more to come. He's right without warning, while the hammer man's group charged forward, wielding his war axe above his head, screaming. There was a sudden silence when all the other men and silence from all the other men a silence for which one voice rang out. It sounded like a shout of warning, but it came from behind the charger man, and he alone ignored it. And then a whistling down the snow like air. A spear came from nowhere, a huge throw, an impossible throw. The spear struck them into the man's back. He took one more step and the pitch and pitched forward into the snow, as dead as the landscape around him. There was a silence. One one moved on either side. Give, give, Joe whispered. 
Before the doctor could answer, the throw of the spear came to view, walking out of the trees. It's hard to be sure from the distance they were looking from. But the doctor and Joe could see he was a tall man, taller than the others. He appeared to be older, too, a long beard, no less powerful for that. His own men moved away from him as he approached their enemies, backed away, too, heading for the bridge back across the side of the river where the doctor and Joe were hiding. The spear thrower walked slowly, up to the man he killed his own man, and putting a boot on his side back, pulled his spear free, he shouted a word to his men, they turned to go. Oh my, said Joe, but he didn't finish those finish because her hands grabbed her. She tried to scream, but her hand clasped across her back mouth. As he pulled her feet she saw the doctor being grasped by two men who were dressed like the ones they had just seen. They dragged him towards the river. Doctor struggled to fight his way free, and Joe managed to bite the hand over her mouth. He got the cuff to the back of her head, and her vision swam. As she struggled to stay conscious, she drove saw the doctor wrench free of one of his men his attacks to patch a firm blow to the man's neck, sending him back to his knees. Then the other man swung at the doctor, who ducked, and then failed past him, catching the doctor's jacket as he fell. Joe watched in horror. Both he and the doctor tumbled the fast Ersey River and was swept away. Joe fainted an attacker followed her to fall limply to the ground. When Joe woke up, the world was upside down. It was also seen as an earthquake amid rumble. It took to her a moment to realise she was hanging, her wrists and ankles tied over his shoulder of one of the Vikings, and he was just jogging with her through the trees as if she was a paper doll. Suffering and things she noticed was the smell, the most terrible smell she'd ever had the misfortune to come across. It's so bad it made her want to wrench. Must be bath time tomorrow then, she thought, wrinkling her nose. The third thing she thought was it was actually terrifying, being pressed so close, so hot, a sweaty viking. She could feel the muscles in his shoulder working, pushing into his stomach. At that point she screamed, and tried to wiggle away off. Joe thought she heard him laughing, but either way, his arms tightened around her legs, she knew she was going nowhere. She could see the other men running beside her. Though upside down, it was hard to tell how many. The silence for the most part. Though from time to time, one of them would bark a single word that she couldn't, didn't catch. And finally, she remembered the doctor. She'd seen him washed away in the powerful currents of the river, river so cold there were plates of ice tumbling along its waters. Joe told himself not to panic. He'd be all right. He always was, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Apart from those times he told her about when he sort of he died and then sort of turned into another virgin himself. Another virgin himself who might not even know who she was, where here she was was about almost 2,000 years before she was born. She started to panic. Get a grip, Josephine, she thought. Get a grip on yourself. He'll be okay. He's got to get, he'll get out of the river somehow. You'll see those tracks in the snow? He'll come and find you. He'll be fine, and the tides will be fine, because these ignorant savages can't see it, just like the doctor said. From the distance, the doctor watched a group of about 20 men load the tortoise on the back of a large, low wagon, pulled by thirty by four sturdy oxen, and trudged away from the trees. Well, it was just a theory, he said. He brought with the man, 
He fought with the men in the river for a long time, but finally the poor humans succumbed to the cold and been washed away to Van Halle. The doctor had managed to fish himself out of the river and been dripping on the river bank, but within minutes the water began to freeze, threatening to turn him into a living ice sculpture. The cold didn't worry him unduly. Given that his normal body temperature was below human levels, the dip in the river had been no more than refreshing. Refreshing, not certainly not deadly, but it was a nuisance being damp and icy. So began to he began to walk briskly back along the road, trying to pick up Joe's trail. While the var- one of the advantages of being a binary vascular system was he could always pump his blood faster than normal. If he chose to ra- chose to raise his blood tra- temperature well, very soon his clothes were steaming as he started all along. In twenty minutes, he was as dry as a good martini. I, as I always say, he said, two hearts are better than one. He soon came back to the site of the water wheels at a bridge and hesitated for a moment. He had to find Joe, but something wasn't right about these water wheels. He knew he sh- should investigate. He a little longer. The most important thing was to find the spear. But then where there was Joe. Joe got loyal, funny, quick-witted Joe. Something happened to her. He had another companion before. Companions before, of course. All wonderful people in various weird ways humans could be. But none of them quite like Joe. Five minutes, he said to himself. A quick look at the world of wheels and then find Joe. They wanted to kill her. She'd be dead already. Five minutes will not help, help that. He crossed the bridge the far side of the river. He approached the closest water wheel. He saw something in the distance he missed before. Through the forest, up and way in the hill, as a clearing in the clearing stood a wooden temple, towering and vast. He felt a strong urge to go and take a look. Even from this distance, looking through the trees, he could see, covered in fantastic carvings, that he longed to examine. But Joe had taken them the other way. There were the wheels and the spear and hurried on. There was no one in sight. He approached the first water wheel cautiously. He shot and drunk in the river. It was quite enough for one day. The wheel was a heavy, undershot device. A long wooden lit channeled water from the river to the bottom of its fins, which turned constantly in the flow. He moved to the next wheel and the next, and now in the far distance he heard the sound of axes and saws of wood being chopped in the forest. He squinted towards the direction of the sounds and watched his pass as the forest trembled, and then a grape appeared in the company, camp, company as the tree came down. They're, they're making more, he said, wondering why they needed all these wheels, all this potential power. Power is useless unless it's feeding something, but what? The axe of each water wheel entered the water wheelhouse. The doctor approached the nearest one. Those locked the big keyhole was set into the heavy wood. The doctor pulled his sonic screwdriver out of his pocket. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And once inside, his eyes widened. There is no primitive set of cogs and drive shafts, no trip hammers or tram wheels, no meaning of grinding stones, instead acts of the wheel, which straight into a large metal box, from which heavy-duty electrical cable emerged and disappeared in the floor of the warehouse. Neither the cable nor the box looked like anything had to do with the earth in 2nd century AD. He, it was as he left the wheelhouse that he heard a shout a rocks from across the river. That was when he seen the TARDIS being towed away. Doctor put his head down and made for the bridge. Hang on, Joe, he said. Hang on. Joe knelt on the flo- hard floor. In front of her a huge, sort of stood a huge warrior, face almost obscured and thick beard. For his eyes was clear enough to see the burned See him burn down at her, making her want to melt in the ground and disappear. Round him were men who fought her. Around them was a vast dark hall, a fire pit in centre, sent smoke curling up the thatch of the roof. She had been carried for the village, a series of small huts, some larger houses, and even brought below before this man, who was evidently the chief. I, announced the man, am Norrid. Joanne stood imperfectly. She knew the telepath circuits of TARDIS at a certain range, and although the doctor never said how great the range was, she knew TARDIS must be close enough, for it, had to make, it made her hear the ancient Norse dialect as English. Norrid stepped a little closer to Joe and began walking around her. Her wrists and ankles are still bound. She longed to stand and give this old goat a piece of her mind, but she knew she'd most likely fall over as she tried, which wasn't the fact she was after. Norrid grunted in satisfaction. Everything is as Frey said. Frey said, Joe, who's Frey? Norrid ignored her. He clapped his hands and gave a short laugh and sounded more like a bark. Then he stepped in front of Joe and went down, putting his hand face right up close to hers. Her nose wrinkled. Where is the healer, he said. The who, said Joe, asked Joe. A man says he drowned, fell in the river, but Frey says not to believe what you see with the healer. The healer, you mean the doctor? The healer and the doctor, yes, he is drowned. Joe hung her head. Oh, I hope not, she said quietly. Nerid straightened. My men are looking for him. They will find him if he still lives. Staring hard at the ground in front of Joe, Joe found the urge to weep. You're the healer's woman, his wife? Joe lifted her head. I'm the doctor's companion, said proudly, and held Norrid's gaze for as long as she could, till a nerve failed her. A smile spread slowly over Norrid's face. Not a nice thing to see. His lips parted, and Joe almost winced when she saw his blackened teeth. Put his boot on Joe's shoulder, the shove sent her to the floor, where she lay on her side, wondering how accurate as Dr. Letcher about the peaceful varmint, bugging farmers had been. Norwich stared down, coolly down at her. Today there was almost a fight. 
Everything his face said it would be. Oh, when I killed one of his own to stop the war from starting. He is scared, he is weak, with a bust of noise, noise. Yet nothing but in reality he is weak. And then Shabranimsa returns to our shores with Frey at our helm, carrying more warriors to swell our army. We should go to war with Ashia. We will win. Joe still lay still, trying to understand everything she had heard. They might be important. Now it would be good to be able to tell the doctor everything she learned, but he was still alive. Hands grabbed her again and dragged her out of the hall. And soon, none of through the village, saw a wagon being pulled by the four oxen. On the wagon was the TARDIS. She was about to yell when someone knocked, pulled her back. So hard the breath was knocked out from her. Before she knew it, she was taken into a small but solid hut, where she tried to the post and held up to the and held up the roof and left a shiver. Darkness fell and Joe's shivers turned to great shudders of cold. She wished she'd taken the doctor's up and off of his cape. It was that cold. She lost track of much time and passed. All she heard was sounds of the village, footsteps coming and going, occasional chatter of voice and clang of metal, somewhere in the barking of dogs. Then there was a scrape of the door opening. Joe looked up, blinking the light of burning torch being held by one of the warriors, saw the doctor being ushered in the hut. Two men tied him to the post. And he and Joe sat back to back on the cold ground. Their doors shut, they were left alone in darkness once more. I've been just, I've been just talking to your friend Norrid, said the doctor. I'm fine, said Joe. Thanks for asking. How are you? Very well, my dear. Thought I'd find you here somewhere. Are you warm enough? You joking, said Joe. I'm freezing. Well, sit as close as you can. To me as you can. I'll warm us up. Three hearts are better than two, after all. Spite of herself, Joe laughed. Doctor, she said, who is Norrid? He kept speaking about someone called Fay. Two, I don't think he's here now. Al. Though, he's, he's away. He fetching warriors on his ship. It's a funny name, Schizovemma. Yes, that's it. How can you know? Gosh, Doctor, have you got a fever? It's like sitting next to a log stove. Well... You did say you were cold, Joe. Do you remember we spoke about Odin? What about him? You know him as a god of Norse mythology, correct? Yes. There's Odin and Thor, too. He's a hammer and makes thunder. I think he's Odin's son. That's right. Odin was supposed to have a spear. Gunnar had only, he had only one eye. Doctor, no, he spoke about somebody called One Eye, like a nickname. You saw him earlier today, Joe. He killed one of his own men. There was a man with a hammer, too. Four, but they're supposed to be gods. Right, a most interesting time. Some colonists and myself, I might add, have a theory about certain myths and legends. Theory, Doctor? Like the one about the TARDIS being invisible? Yes, thank you. I think you, that one might need a bit more consideration. No, it's very... Is that many stories that scholars of the time, your time believe to be myths, legends, and weird tales were in fact occasionally based on real events. The characters were then based on real people. Even though we know that, uh, even those we consider to be gods were just great men of the past. Joe, this is fascinating. When it is the origin of Grinnell's myth. You're not serious? I'm absolutely serious, my dear. Odin is the king of Sweden. 
His father, people were called Ashtar. Nevid spoke about them. And he said, you're going to fight them. Oh, they're going to fight them. Quite so. We witnessed by the river today. Was just an early year's skirmish. Owen had to kill one of his own men to stop the fight from escalating. According to the great Norse sagas, the two races of guards, the Astar, Robert Owen, Owen and his sons, Thor and Breda, and Vena, ruled by Norwick and his, with his sisters of Fay. Thank you, Doctor. I'm much warmer now. What? Oh, good. I'll turn the heating down. Turn the heating down. Thanks, Joe. Go on with your story. Yes, the Eshel and the Vanar have been squabbling for some time. Then they all gathered a great meeting on the assembly of some kind. Owen grew angry and threw Grandma at the head of Vanar. So the great war between them again. Think that's what's about, about to happen? I think it is, yes. It, and that is it. What is it may? We'll have to get going or get away from it, can we not? Why? Why have you what haven't you told me but why to, why should, you still haven't told me why is it why it's so important? I've got to know absolutely convinced that Gadamar physically temporal nucleus of PTN in those legends it said that Gandra was magical. It would hit whoever the fire wished to hit. That fell. Saw that for ourselves today. Our throw was impossible. Far too far. But once thrown's going there cannot miss its target. Well, that's pretty neat for a very keen weapon. But still not much of a match for a machine gun or nuclear bomb. Joe, let me finish. Always hitting a target is nothing to the PNTN. That's just a party trick. But the way it does is the point. In order to form such a feat as PJN was a link with the mind or whoever it's holding. A quantum level, the PJN joins the brain patterns of its owner. Then it does a remarkable thing. You, of course, are aware you have infinite number of personal universes. Of course, said Joe. I thought so, said the doctor. So when that, when the PJN go, does, it shovels through all the possible states of the universe in a fraction of a second, selects the one that its owner desires the most. That is why it's so powerful, so dangerous. Because whoever owns it can literally make the wishes come true. Exactly, the High Council of the Time Lords has spent a great deal of time tracking them down, down. One was found in the uterus, one and two more, Kerif. There were one, there were perhaps no more than six in all. Even the Time Lords don't know who made them, or where they came from. And trust me, the Time Lords know a great deal about the universe. But the universe a very great deal. So much, so now it seems, we're another in our reach. I doubt very much that Odin knows what he has in his hands, going to true power. The image is a spear, which he seems to hunt what to him hunt really. Oh well, I see why you think it's magic though. Not only that, another thought occurs to me, which is Gandhi is not the only famous spear in history. There's another, even more famous, or perhaps I can mean I mean infamous, a Jesus hung on the cross, a Roman soldier called Lingerus. What did he see if he could really, if he's really dead and drove his spear to Christian's side? That spear became known as Spear of Destiny, which is where it sent, well, but it soon went missing. You simply don't know what happened to it. But despite the stories, but its power began to, but its, but, 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 but despite that, stories about its power began to circulate. 
It is said that army that possessed it would be invincible. Not so very long before your own time, Joe, that man craved a spear, which is by by then turned up museum in Vienna. The man was Adolf Hitler. The very day he made the Austria in nineteen thirty eight, he drove straight to the museum to capture the spear. He took it back to Berlin and believed he was, from that time on, invincible. But Nazis lost the war, Joe said. It didn't work. There are two possibilities. First, some people believe the spear he captured was thirteenth century fake, not a real thing. Or second, a simpler explanation. Spear was the real thing. Hitler made a mistake. In order for the PTN to work, you have to actually hold it. Hitler put it in another museum, Berlin, and then got on with invading the rest of Europe. Yeah, my goodness, said Joe, if he only knew. No, quite so, my dear, quite so. But wait a minute. What has this got to do with Grindenar? Joe, I believe Grindenar and the Spear of Destiny are the one and the same. But in Sweden, how did the Spear end up here? I told you, Vikings raided far in the Mediterranean. Oh, Mediterranean. Oh, they must have got lucky and found it there. And I see, said Joe, that it makes sense. But if Hitler had the spear in the war, how is it dug up in Sweden just now, put in Mexican, Mexican collection in London? Yes, well, that's what's worrying me the most, said the doctor. His voice sank deep and low. Well, only have a word, a leaflet, is recently found in a dig in Sweden, don't we? You mean the museum was lying? Why would they do that? Why indeed, Joe? How do we know that Spear in the museum is not, in fact, another fake? They are temporal monomies, small disturbances in time. They are indeed, but those can sometimes be the result of presence of poorly shielded TARDIS, Doctor. Joe, this man, Fry, a Norwich speak about. He's a ship called Scadamenta, yes? Do you know what the Norse word was? Moose says about Scanamantha. Joe shook her head. So he didn't feel so warm anymore. He said the Frey could make his ship any size he wanted. They could fit as many men on board as he wished. Does that make sound familiar? Ship that's big on the inside. Doctor, you think? Joe, the name Frey is an old Lord's name. It means Lord or Master, cried Joe. Fry is a master. For the doctor could reply, there was a laugh from the outside the heart's door. He pushed open and in he came, laughing, clapping hands. Oh, he said, been such fun listening to you two working out. Well done, well done. He stood over them, looking down, leering. The master.